Happy September. Welcome into the Atlanta Enquirer podcast. The month changes to football month. And all of a sudden, it's starting to feel a little bit more football weathery. Woke up this morning, a little bit of crisp in the air. My ideal. This September through like mid-October, the six weeks of fall or seven weeks of fall that we get, uh, my favorite time of year along with the three weeks of spring uh, that we get. But it, it's starting to feel that way. Certainly didn't feel like fall uh, when Illinois kicked off against Nebraska with the sweltering heat. Uh, but kudos to all you students for showing up. I saw you there. That was the best crowd. I I had to, I think I took a picture. I'm not sure if the if the tweet actually went through or not. But all those years of of the student section getting just torched because nobody showed up to Illinois football. I don't blame you students for not showing up during many of those years. But after all those years to have those pictures was was really really cool. Uh, and I expect a great crowd again on Friday night. It should be a beautiful night, probably high 60s, low 70s to start the game at 6:30 uh, against UTSA. And this should be a game that Illinois. Right, if you're having a successful season, should win. But I can tell you, Illinois football inside that uh, football facility, they they think UTSA is legit. And UTSA last year, in the first year under head coach Jeff Trailer, went seven and five, and now they return all 21 starters. So while it's a Conference USA opponent coming to a Big Ten university, Big Ten program with Brett Bielma coming off a win against Nebraska. Um, you do have to prepare for a game here because UTSA has some good weapons and 21 starters returning. Uh, and they got some confidence coming into this year. Illinois played a game. UTSA has not so far. So that'll be an interesting factor in here. But I find UTSA to be a really, really interesting team right now, but also a very interesting program because they are only a decade old. Their program started in 2011. So I've... The entire time I've been out of college, <laughs> that's how young, I mean, I'm not young anymore, but like this, that's how young this program is. Started in 2011 and to have two bowl games already in that transition to, to FBS and now to Conference USA uh, and to be a factor. And they're a very big market team with uh, huge resources, especially in recruiting down there. Our guy Joe Price, a former recruiting staffer, is the head of their recruiting department. And they're getting after it in Texas and in the transfer portal. So Illinois is going to have an opponent that does some good things. And let's break it all down. Like, what do the Roadrunners bring to Memorial Stadium? Uh, we broke it all down because we have 24-7 Sports has a UTSA guy. J.J. Perez covers UTSA for InsideRunnerSports.com, and he really does a good job. I've been interacting with him and reading his stuff for the past week or so, uh, and J.J. does a really fantastic job. So I was happy to catch up with him, do our little opposition research heading into Game two, week one for Illinois football, 640 kickoff on Big Ten Network. J.J. Perez is going to break down the UTSA Roadrunners coming up next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Welcome back into the Illini Enquirer podcast. And let's get to know a lot about our uh, Illinois week one opponent, even though it's their game two opponent, UTSA. And I find this program really interesting. I think their coach, I think a lot of fans have been, you know, listening to his press conference this week and be like, man, this guy's really likable. Uh, he seems like he's got his stuff together and he had a really good first season at, at UTSA. But JJ Perez, he writes for inside uh, runnersports.com, part of the 24 seven sports crew. And uh, JJ, I don't know how many people up here know that much about UTSA, but you went to UTSA uh, and it's not a very long football history here, 
but it seems like one of those programs that is certainly on the rise. So can you fill us in a little bit about this football program? Because it's really interesting in one, one big media market um, and with a lot of talent in that, in that uh, state of Texas, seems like they got a lot of potential there. Yeah. You know, definitely they still in the startup phase. I wouldn't say, you know, the initial startup, but this is year number 11, season 11 for the Roadrunners. They're going to kick off this Saturday. So um, still climbing the mountain of what a division one program should look like, but, you know, in the short history, in the 10 years, two, two bowl appearances, haven't, haven't won a bowl game yet. That's still on the checklist of things to accomplish. Um, trying to compete for a conference title. Uh, you know, they, they were independent the first few, few seasons. They, they, they went into the Western athletic conference for one season. That was a season where realignment kind of got crazy and, you know, they got an invite to Conference USA, and that's where they've been these last few years. So just kind of, you know, going along, trying to build the recruiting, the recruiting base, you know, San Antonio's fertile recruiting ground, South Texas, DFW, Houston, kind of the whole state. They're just trying to get their name out, and they've done a pretty good job under Jeff Trailer. They've committed to, you know, recruiting San Antonio, recruiting Texas, and some of that stuff is starting to pay dividends. And it's a young program. You aren't going to see there are not a lot of house household names on the team, although, you know, there's an All-American running back and, you know, a few good dynamic skilled position players, but, you know, program on the rise, first year head coach, Jeff Trailer, uh, first time, or second year head coach, Jeff Trailer, first time head coach. So, you know, he's kind of still learning on the job and, you know, doing what, you know, the different duties that a head coach has and learning all that stuff. So, you know, like you said, a, definitely a young program, but, uh, you know, a lot to be optimistic this season. So, so what's like the fan base like there, given that it's such a young program that, you know, had, you know, its second bowl game last year and a very successful uh, pandemic season. So what is the fan base like and, and how much have they put into this football program? You know, it's very passionate. If you ever come across the uh, folks on UTSA Twitter, they're uh, they, they, they love their roadrunners. And then, you know, like most other programs, group of five programs, you know, low, low power five, they sometimes there's some infighting and whatnot, but that that's just due to the passion that they have. And, you know, recently, just this summer, UTSA was able to open a new $40 million athletic facility that's transformed, you know, their academic space and athletic space, you know, from nothing to, to what they have now. So a lot of that came from donations with the fans and working with local businesses and, you know, just building that, you know, fan base, alumni base. And UTSA as a school is pretty young as well. The, the school started in the 60s. So there aren't hundreds of years of generations of, of, you know, families and money and, you know, donors and alumni. So all that stuff still kind of being built here in San Antonio. Yeah. And is like a, a White Sox fan in, in the Chicagoland area. Like I understand, like if you're a UTSA fan, like you own it, right? Because you're, you're, there's not very many of you. So I imagine that fan base kind of just owns it. Like this is my team. I got in on them before they were like a mainstream rock band. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a huge part of it. The, the startup, everybody feels like, you know, UTSA is going to be a sleeping giant in the group of five and everybody that supports it, they want to, they want to be on the, the front side of that. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about Jeff Trailer. You mentioned it, a really interesting history. Never been a head coach at the college level before. Uh, comes from high school football in Texas, which we know is basically college, small school college football uh, based on some of the schools and the resources they put into there. 
But what has he brought to the program? Because year one, I think they were picked to finish last in Conference USA, and they and they go seven and five. So how has he made an impact on that program? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he definitely has the credentials to be a, you know, a big time someday, a, a power five, you know, coach out there. I mean, he he was recruiter of the year a few times. Um, you know, he he was at Texas under Charlie Strong. He was at Arkansas. So he certainly has the pedigree. I mean, he's a tireless recruiter. I mean, that's what he's hung his hat on and he's he's pretty good at it. So that's kind of what he's brought to UTSA and it's kind of built his staff around that. And um, you know, he did really well last year, all things considered. I mean, a first year coaching staff, they didn't even get to see their players hit the field until a few weeks before the season started. So they were still installing stuff as the season started. And it was just kind of get get to the game and, and th- there weren't a lot of schemes and stuff. So they've been they've had a year together and now things are just that much better. But, you know, just to circle back on Coach Trailer, I mean, he's he's you watch his interviews. He, he's he you wouldn't know that he's a high school legend. I mean, the high school he coached at, they had it. They, they named the stadium after him. And you go to East Texas. Everybody knows his name. So um, in the high school community throughout Texas, I uh, just his name carries a lot of weight. So that's really helped on in the on the recruiting trail, to be honest with you. And everybody knows that's the biggest thing when it comes to, you know, getting a program off the ground. Yeah, Gilmer High School uh, in Texas. And uh, for Illini fans, we heard years of Big Sandy from Lovey Smith. He started as an assistant coach uh, at Big Sandy before going to Texas, SMU, Arkansas, right after Bielema left there. Um, so, yeah, just a really interesting history. And and, and just from the YouTube clip, seems like um, a guy that can recruit, I, I would imagine, uh, out there in the trail. And he said nice things about Illinois. But obviously expectations after last year, JJ uh, probably increased a little bit. So what are the expectations for UTSA, not only coming into this season opener for them uh, at a big 10 school, but for, for the whole season. So, so seven wins last season that, that tied the most the program has ever won in their, in their history. So they want to get there. The expectations I've seen eight wins, nine wins. I saw someone write the other day, 10 wins. And some of that stuff is, I, I mean, it's, to be honest, it's unfair. I mean, UTSA have won score games last year that could have gone either way. I mean, they could have easily only won two games. They could have easily won 10 games last year. So I, it just comes down to end of the game execution. You know how those things go, who makes the least amount of mistakes, turnovers, et cetera. But the, the thing we talked with coach today about is, they haven't shied away from the expectations. They talk about it, you know, they realize it. they take it with a grain of salt because the experts, so, you know, so-called they, they picked them last last year. So who, who knows who really knows, but um, no, they're, they're not afraid of it. And, you know, they're trying to get, like I said, to a, for the third time in program history, win the bowl game. I think that's probably the number one goal of this team. And then try to compete for the conference championship in a pretty good uh, for USA. Just a five and a half point underdog coming off a, a win over Nebraska. I mean, that's a lot of respect for UTSA. And I can tell you inside the Illinois program, they do have a lot of respect. I, I heard somebody tell me the other day, they got some dudes. They got some dudes over there. So uh, what do you think of that line um, that I'm seeing from all the odds makers is five and a half? 
I, I was shocked when I saw it open, I think open at seven. And then I, I, I saw it went off and I was assuming that had to do with Illinois quarterback situation, but um, to see it at five and a half, I mean, that just, to me, that says there's, there's a significant amount of UTSA people trying to, to, to figure in on the upset th- this weekend. And yeah, like it, it is, it is very respectful for UTSA. I mean, I would, I just, off the top, I would have expected Illinois to be maybe a double-digit favorite at home coming off that big win. So um, a lot of respect for the Roadrunners. I think that comes with, you know, running back Sincere McCormick, who's had back-to-back All-American seasons, getting some run and some pre, pre-draft pre stuff going on this this season. So um, it's just – it, it's very respectable. And, you know, can UTSA answer, answer that call and be competitive in this game? I think that's – that's the big question we're going to find out Saturday. You mentioned that what, what a great name for a running back, Sincere McCormick. Um, last year, second team All-American. First year, I think a freshman All-American. He's uh, put together some huge stats his first two years. What makes him such an effective running back that, that Illinois has got to worry about? You know, he has all the tools of an all-purpose back that you see at the next level. I mean, he's... He, he's shifty. He has good vision. He makes decisions like fantastic timing. He waits for his blockers and he has the speed. If there's one thing he's lacking next level is, you know, sub four five speed. I mean, you know, look at all these running backs that get drafted there, you know, into four fours. And I think he's right now four five. And that's something he's really tried to work on. He's a little leaner. This year, I think he dropped 10 pounds in the offseason and he's trying to get that speed up. So um, also, he's just a workhorse. He's been durable. I mean, there were times they gave him the ball 30 times consecutive games last year. And I know they don't want to do that as as much this season, but they know he can do that. And that to have that workhorse to, to, to be able to do that, that's that's a lot. That's a lot for a program like UTSA. Yeah, Frank Harris, their quarterback, also a dual threat. Illinois did pretty well uh, against one of those last week, and Adrian Martinez, obviously a very talented guy. But um, obviously Nebraska didn't have a running back like Sincere McCormick on their roster. So how do those two play off each other, and and what makes Frank Harris a problem for teams? Well, you said it, the the dual threat capability. I mean, he is a legitimate threat to break free and take it to the house on any play just because of – his athletic ability, his speed, the way he's able to cut uh, his vision. I mean, he is, he has helped UTSA and saved UTSA in several games where, to be honest, you know, the offensive line hadn't played that good, whether they had injuries or guys out with COVID. I mean, he was able to save them. Now, when it comes to Frank Harris, the question is, what's his passing ability going to be? What happens when teams stack the box and make you throw over the top? So, in the past, he's had issues with accuracy and decision-making in the passing game, but, you know, he's been healthy probably the last nine months, 10 months, the, the, the most healthiest he's been in his career. And, you know, he's gotten better with his accuracy. He's, he's pretty accurate passer and they don't ask him to do too much. And he plays within the offense and, you know, just not make too many mistakes. I, I think he was able to hit a few guys, a few deep threats every now and then. It'll keep the, the offense honest. The defense is honest. Yeah, Illinois went a lot of man against Adrian Martinez. Basically said, we're, we're going to spy you, make sure you don't beat us with your legs, uh, make sure the running game doesn't hurt us, and, and hey, beat us over the top. And, and Adrian Martinez missed a few opportunities. Uh, I will say, like, so I think I think it's going to be something similar uh, against Frank Harris, I would assume, maybe with some wrinkles. But uh, UTSA does have at least one receiver that would worry me, and that's Zachary Franklin. I, I watched that bowl game 
uh, JJ, and, and he's he's a legit wideout, maybe better than uh, or as good as anything Nebraska throughout at Illinois. But uh, who are the weapons that, that Frank Harris will be looking at other than Sincere McCormick? Yeah, he he's the number one weapon. I mean, him and Joshua Cephas are the two top wide receivers. And I mean, both of those guys had fantastic seasons last year. They 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 can both stretch the you know the the offense vertical. They they're both good in space. Yards after yards after contact, both of them had have been working on that pretty strongly. So there's a new wide receiver, a, a Houston transfer, Travion Bradley, that that did crack the starting lineup. He's the 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 one and new newcomer on the depth chart uh, on the starting lineup. So a lot of proven commodities for UTSA. They think they're returning 21 of 22 starters and something like 90% of guys that played significant snaps last season. So there aren't a lot of surprises. I, I think one guy I'd mention is uh, the running second running back behind uh, Sincere McCormick. His name is Brendan Brady. He's kind of a change of pace back. Um, they're going to try to get the ball into his hands in space, maybe in the passing game, maybe pitches, tosses, um, maybe even like uh, option plays, you know. So a uh, couple of different web weapons. And I think we're going to see a lot of 12 personnel, two tight end sets. They got a pretty deep tight end room. Uh, they got two two guys, a tight end, Oscar Carnes and Leroy Watson. They, they really like they, they didn't put up big numbers last year, but they like their blocking ability and they both have soft hands. So uh, a lot of different guys. Nobody really jumps out at the stat sheet if you look at it because they spread the ball around a lot. But, you know, a lot a lot of talent on the offensive side for sure. JJ, one thing we know about Brett Bielma teams is usually they win the trenches. And I thought for the last three quarters, the offensive line won the trenches against Nebraska. I think for the entire game, um, the Illinois defensive line won the trenches. So uh, UTSA, what do they have on the offensive line? What do they have on the defensive line? And, and do you think they can compete with, with Illinois there? You know, we talked with Jeff Trailer about that this morning, actually, at practice. And, you know, usually that all games come down to what happens in the, the trenches. But I think specifically in this game, because both teams are pretty similar in the style of play they want to have. You know, obviously, you know, um, Illinois did it a little bit better in week zero than uh, we've seen from UTSA. But that's where UTSA wants to end up eventually being able to, you know, pound a running game, take take be selective with their offense. So. You know, the Roadrunners have pretty good continuity on their offensive line. They have their same five starters from a team that went 3-0 and in November. Um, last season, they had to shuffle guys around, I think, eight, eight different combinations of starting offensive linemen. So they're pretty healthy right now, the starters. And they have, you know, that continuity that you, there's nothing you can replace that with. So they're pretty good offensively and, and I don't know if they're going to be able to handle the size and physicality of Illinois' defensive line, but it's going to be a pretty good fight. On the on the other side of the ball, UTSA's defensive line, that's probably the deepest and most talented group of guys they have on the whole team. I mean, they're, they're, they're too deep depth chart this week had three guys, and in some spots they could have had a fourth guy if they wanted to. So across the, across the front seven, including the linebackers, outside linebacker, I mean, they, they have three guys, three deep at each position. So I don't know that we're going to see, you know, one or two guys have really big games and big numbers and huge sacks and tackles, but we are going to see a lot of guys play. So um, that's to keep them fresh because, you know, you mentioned the fourth quarter. That's, that's when it, that's when it comes down to it. That's where the battle is really at. 
Yeah, there's a couple names on, on the front line that I remember because I looked at them for Illinois. Could they get them in the transfer portal? Lamont McDougal uh, out of West Virginia. Charles Wiley was a four-star prospect that yep. played at Ole Miss. Uh, and I know uh, Dantzler and Bell have played well for them yep. as well. So uh, that's a, that's an interesting group. I mean, Nebraska's front four was pretty good last week, but Illinois' offensive line kind of settled in after a bad first quarter. Um, how about how about the back end? What do they have at linebacker and DB? And I know uh, one of these guys made the freaks list for for Bruce Feldman and I looked looked at his raw numbers uh and surely is pretty impressive but what do they got in that back seven there so in the linebacker they they got two inside linebackers that are pretty good um Trevor Harmonson and um Jamal Ligon he was a freshman last year kind of thrust into action and he ended up you know, putting up some big tackle numbers. So he, the, those two guys, they're pretty set with those two guys on, you, you mentioned the, the freaks list. That's Tariq Woolen, who uh, coincidentally was a, a wide receiver converted from, you know, the offense to the defense. And last year he, he, he played pretty good. It was his first full season at, at cornerback. I think he had it one interception and maybe dropped three. And a lot of people don't understand. He had a broken arm. He played with a club and a cast the entire season. So legit, you know, four or five speed, tall, lengthy, could cover, and, you know, has really just worked on his, you know, technique and, you know, position positioning with, with cornerbacks. So he, he's gonna, he's gonna have a breakout season, I believe, and become one of the, one of the all conference type of players. And then on the very back end, you can't, you can't mention the, probably the leader of the entire team, much less the defense is Rashad wisdom, uh, you know, an all conference safety kind of down the hill type of guy, a little bit undersized, but has speed. And he makes up with, you know, what, what he lacks in size with his instincts and, you know, honestly tenacity. So, um, you know, a, a good group across the board there. They got good specialists too, right? I mean, because Nebraska was a train wreck on special teams, and you know Illinois is really good there. But I'm looking at the the depth chart, and their kicker punter pretty good combo as well. Yeah, two two All Americans there. I think um, the punter is friends with uh, the Illinois punter, two Aussie guys. So it's uh, that that's that's certainly a weapon they they brought back their their All American place kicker who was almost perfect last season, and, and is just you know he was a walk on turned scholarship guy and. You know, just special teams is they they emphasize it enough a, a lot a ton, and I think they want to get better in some of the return game aspect stuff. But you know, the specialists themselves, I mean, they're the best in our conference. Yeah. So JJ, what do they like to do offensively? I, I mean, the little I saw from the bowl game, it was zone read option, right? Like make make that defensive end commit. Like is that is that basically what they do? Like what do they try to do offensively? Right. They, they like the inside run stuff as well, but you're going to see a lot of zone read, um, you know, some play action. I think more this year, if there's one position, they're a little shallow in it's slot wide receiver. So we're, I, I think we're going to see a lot of, you know, 12 personnel, two tight end set stuff, and that's going to help with blocking. And, you know, like I said, the, the roadrunners are deep on the offensive line, and this is probably the deepest, most talented group they've had, but once you get past the first five guys, there aren't a lot of guys with a lot of playing experience. So, you know, with, with that, if there's an injury or something, that's that's always going to change things and they, they may shuffle stuff around. And I think they're two backup centers or might be banged up right now. So there's always a concern there. But, you know, they, they, they want to play fast. Last year we saw them go with this turbo offense a little bit, then they slowed it down. And it just kind of depends the flow of the game and what the offensive coordinator tries to do in different situations. But a lot of zone read stuff, I think. 
Yeah. Uh, defensively, that's a three, four that they line up in. Uh, what, what do they do there? Like what's their identity on that side? That that's kind of a mystery because last year they had a, a a coordinator that was very aggressive that got you know relieved of his duties at the end of the season and they turned it over to now they have two co defensive coordinators who called the last three games and the ball game last year so um, it's really a, an unknown to be honest with you we saw it seemed like they were trying to kind of find an identity those last few games but you know they they're aggressive with with, with the front seven guys they 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 don't play a lot of man they, 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 they'll mix in some zone and it just you know they're going to rotate guys in and out on the front seven and you know you mentioned guys like Chuck Wiley and McDougal and they, there's another guy uh, Jalen Haynes at the defensive tackle guys those guys are going to take up space and you know kind of be a menace but I I think they're just going to try and stick to their you know, base stuff and, and get stuff done there. Cause I, I do think that if there's one place they're kind of susceptible is maybe to the long ball. We've seen that and several times over the, the last few games. So, I mean, I, I think they're still honestly searching for an identity on the defense. All right, JJ, um, for, for UTSA to pull off this win, they, they beat Baylor and, and Matt rules first year. And, and we know how big of a rebuild job that was, but they, that's a big win for them to do that again, uh, at Illinois in, in the first year under Brett Bielma, what will have to happen? Uh, there's been a few, few times over the years, they've been close. I think the, the, there was a game against Arizona. They led in the fourth quarter and they let it slip away. So, I mean, you have to play clean. Uh, I mean, honestly, honestly, they, they, they say that, the biggest jump is between the first game and the second game. And that's because of the rust factor. And, you know, UTSA hasn't, there's no substitute for that game speed and, and all that stuff. So UT, it's, it's going to be a hostile environment. I, I think most of all the games last year, play, UTSA played on the road were in front of no fans or zero fans. So, I mean, you, there's going to be a big crowd in Illinois. So just dealing with all that and, you know, the first game jitters, they got to play clean. They got to be able to run the ball, win the battle in the trenches, and you know not have those turnovers. Those are the game-changing things we see. So, um, I think we'll see. We'll be a we'll be in for a close one, but I don't know if the Rotors are going to be able to pull it out this week. What would what is concerning UTSA about Illinois? Like obviously they don't know. Like they, they haven't played a game. Illinois at least has played a game. Has a little confidence after a big win. Like what concerns UTSA about Illinois, whether it's personnel or, or whatnot? I think it's just the overall physicality that Illinois plays with. And that's what UTSA wants to get to. But at the end of the day, that wears on your team, especially a defense towards the end of the game. And, um, you know, just being able to keep up. UTSA is going to want to run the ball. So is Illinois. And is UTSA going to be able to do that against Illinois defense? Are they going to be, is the Roadrunners going to be able to stop the run when they need to? So, um, yeah, just overall physicalness of this game, I think is a big concern. JJ Perez inside the runners.com. Uh, great stuff, man. And that's a, that's a fun program to cover fun coach to cover. And they got some, some fun players as well. I uh, can't wait to see them up at UTSA and can't wait to see you too, man. Uh, should be a fun game and uh, we'll see who's, if it's fun for Illinois to bring UTSA, they have a history of bringing up teams right when they get he- great, like Louisiana tech and USF, like just as those teams are getting good, they came on the schedule. So maybe UTSA has got a little surprise for Illinois. Who knows? We'll see. I'll see you guys on Saturday.
Great stuff from J.J. Perez, InsideRunnerSports.com. I love that 24-7 sports covers a lot of these Group of 5 programs, too. Uh, and obviously, J.J. does a heck of a job. He's one of the main guys uh, covering that uh, athletics program. So really good insight there on, on an opponent that I know Illinois doesn't take lightly. Uh, so we could talk about trap game. And, and I think, you know, especially with players coming off a high of Nebraska, sometimes you, you have that, hey, we, we're going to take care of business. It's not that big of a deal. We just beat Nebraska. What's UTSA? Uh, I think this program's got a different edge. And I think that the coaching staff certainly takes UST, UTSA so seriously. And I, I just don't think Illinois has earned it yet to overlook opponents any opponent on their schedule. So I think they'll come ready for this one. Uh, I'm very interested to see um, defensively, do they do a lot of the same things that they did against Adrian Martinez? Because that was very successful. Going man-to-man does give other teams opportunities when a pick happens or you know you trip or anything that somebody could break away and you could give up a, a big one. I think that would be the concern is early you give up a big one UTSA gets confident, and then all of a sudden you're chasing, right? And that that's where I think it becomes a game. All of a sudden it's it's a game into the third and fourth quarter, and, and UTSA might might make the plays to win, or Illinois might make the mistakes to lose. Uh, but defensively, I think you're worried about their run game. And while I think Illinois defensively up front has the advantage against the offensive line of UTSA, and I don't think Frank Harris is is quite as good as Adrian Martinez or as talented uh, as Adrian Martinez, he can be a problem. He can be a problem. And if he gets confident and he gets going, um, that's a dynamic rushing attack. With Obviously, since Sincere McCormick is very good, uh, Illinois is going to see running backs that good the rest of the year. right? Iowa's got a pretty dang good one. Wisconsin's always got good ones um they're gonna see good running backs all season long um that are as good or you know as sincere mccormick uh zakari franklin's a guy that 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 concerns me a little bit if he gets deep i think he can go up and and beat an illinois cornerback for one though devin witherspoon didn't really get beat at all so that, that's a good matchup that'd be a fun matchup to watch uh but the the way teams get in trouble with a guy like frank harris and i, and I saw it in the in the bowl game against lafayette is or Louisiana is that those DNs lose contain they bite on McCormick you just got to you got to stay home you got to stay home make sure that he gives up the ball and then go tack the ball go go get McCormick um he's going to get some good runs he's going to have a, a solid performance probably but uh, I think Illinois rushing defense I have way more confidence in uh after last week and what we saw against Nebraska who had Marquise Step right had had Adrian Martinez and outside of that one huge run by Adrian Martinez it was mostly scrambling around and he's going to get some of those that's what a dual threat quarterback does but he can't let the 75 yarder happen um on the D, on the offensive side of the ball i think Illinois should be able to run the ball right i, I mean with Mike Epstein Chase Brown fully healthy you know Reggie Love i thought had some really good runs and especially just with that offensive line you know, I thought Vidarian Lowe was really good uh, throughout the game. I thought Alex Palczewski really struggled in the first quarter, but I thought he really got after it the rest of the way. And, and sometimes, like I, sometimes maybe I haven't given him enough credit. I, I think he's a really good Big Ten player, but sometimes I don't know if I talk about Doug Kramer as a potential next level center. And, and maybe I should start thinking about that um, because he was awesome the other day. I turned on the film and I was just like. In the second half, Doug Kramer was mauling people. And I know he's good. 
he can reach block anybody. It's amazing. I've talked with Martin O'Donnell about that, how quick he is to to get across somebody who's trying to get to a gap. He's unbelievable at that, but he's also just powerful. Um, and he's he's really the biggest interior guy Illinois has in when Bedovinak comes in. So the undersized thing I won't talk about because when Bedovinak and, and Jarosadi are in, um, he's the biggest interior lineman they have. But uh, I, I think that group can get to another level, and I think that's who you're going to lean on. But, of course, Hart Sikowski is going to have to hit people. Uh, he's going to have to be efficient. He's going to have to avoid the mistakes, which he did against Nebraska. And a Nebraska defense that was humming pretty well when he went into the game, right, especially getting after the quarterback. So if he just takes what the defense gives him and once or twice or three times hits a deep shot, right? Uh, one of my favorite throws outside of the deuce span one, the art dart, was the rollout pass that I think could keep a defense honest, the play action, right? Because they're going to load up against the run at some point for Sikowski to beat them. And he rolled out, hit Isaiah Williams for about a 15, 16-yard strike. Those are the throws. Those are the throws that, that you know make a drive, that prolong a drive, that make a defense concerned about the passing game. And I'm really interested to see how Isaiah Williams gets involved. But I, I do wonder, you know, who's the guy they hit on the deep shot? Is it Deuce Span again? Is Jafar Armstrong going to be healthy? We know Brian Hightower won't. Like Hightower is the one guy you thought could be that. You know, Casey Washington's a solid player, but just hasn't been the deep threat guy. He can go up and get one, but he's not going to really take the top off of defense. A guy I'm interested to see because he he had some spring game uh, moments and he played a lot of snaps the other day is Kamari Thompson, sprinter speed. Right, pretty good blocker as well, uh, but I'm wondering if he's a guy that that can get involved. But I think UTSA has got a handful with those those tight ends too. I I don't expect Daniel Barker to have zero catches. My bold predictions doesn't expect him to have zero catches, and Luke Ford is an absolute handful. So I, I would expect some play action passes to those guys and to get those guys pretty involved. They were really good uh, in, in the blocking game. So I do think UTSA can give Illinois a game. I do, and, and Illinois knows that, um, but. Illinois should win this game. It's a Conference USA opponent. These are the games that you need to put in your rearview mirror as a program of dropping. I know every once in a while it's going to happen, but these bye games should be bye games where you're winning by two, three, four scores. That's what it should be. And I have all the respect in the world for UTSA, but you're a Big Ten program, right? Like that. This is this is where you need to take that next step as a program and just you know you're not going to always win comfortably. Doesn't always need to be uh, uh, the f- most feel-good win. You just got to find a way to win, right? You just got to find ways to win these games, move on to the next week, get to Virginia with the potential of really making a statement. I know everyone, you know, the, the national reporters who were there, Pat Forty and, and Adam Rittenberg, who I sat next to, those guys are really good at their jobs. And the story of that game against Nebraska is Nebraska. It is Scott Frost in Nebraska. But what Illinois did is they set themselves up to potentially be the story in three weeks, right? If you're able to knock off UTSA and Virginia, you're 3-0 to start the Brett Bielma era. You have a Friday night game against Maryland, potential to go 4-0, and maybe you do. And then people are like, what, what's Brett Bielema doing at Illinois? Four wins already? That's when they become the national story. So I think, I think that was kind of the setup game. You, you set yourself up to be... Hey, look what Brett Bielma was doing down in Illinois. I think people were like, hey, yeah, Scott Frost lost to Illinois, man. Brett Bielma, yeah, it's, that's interesting. We'll see a couple weeks later. 
but you can't lose to UTSA. <laughs> that would be, that'd be, that'd be the, the, the poor follow-up uh, to, to such a great victory, but should be a great crowd, should be a, a great night. Uh, no more than 90-degree weather. It's perfect Central Illinois weather right now. Uh, so hope you guys all enjoy it. Hope you enjoyed J.J. Perez with his breakdown. Uh, we're going to talk more. I'm going to have an Isaac Trotter podcast this week. He's back with 24-7 Sports. Figured I'd catch up with him, talk some Illinois football, talk about his new gig, and, and talk about the Big Ten as well because we got Big Ten Week 1 kicking off as well. So always appreciate listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Give us a follow wherever you get your podcast, a rating and a review. That always helps us out. And if you want to be a part of, of the VIP membership side of things, always remember $1 for your first month of VIP membership if you want to try us out. And if you're just a podcast listener, we always, you know, one of the reasons I subscribe to a certain media company is because I think their podcast is awesome. And I, I read their stuff every once in a while, but I, you know, I support them you know, because I listen to the podcast almost daily. So um, that's another way to support us if you're a big listener to the podcast as well. We appreciate all the support we've had. It's been an awesome year um, being able to add Joey, being able to have a basketball season to cover like we did, and now having some excitement on the football side. It's been a really, really fun year to, to see all you guys interacting uh, so much with us and supporting us. So we appreciate all of that. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you next time on the Alana Enquirer podcast.